Major Butchu presents the Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong podcast. Welcome to episode 206, Let Me Tell You Why You're Wrong. This week we get updates on the Ashley Griffin trial. Uh, more problems discovered by the Georgia Inspector General's office. And this week in the Georgia legislature. I'm Dave Roberts. With me is writer, journalist, dog mom, and owner of the Georgia Virtue, Jessica Salaji. Hi, Dave. I won't ask you how your week was, but how are the dogs? Oh, they're great. Um, they're always great. And Stanley's happy because the Ashland Griffin trial was in Bullock County, so I was home early every night. So, you know. Was it, was it close enough so you could come home for lunch? No, only because um, I was multitasking and going between two trials and other stuff. And so I didn't get to come home for lunch, but dinner was served on time, which is what is most important to them. Oh, okay. Now, my my mother, when she was in Texas, spoiled her dog because her, her office was five minutes from home. So every day she took lunch at home, came, you know, came in, let the dog out, let, let so she could run around, made her own lunch, then then you know, let the dog back in and went back to work. So being a, you know, being a Jack Russell, it's kind of important to get that energy out. Um Stanley needs to get some energy out. I don't know. I mean, my god, the dog, I I love him, of course. I love him, but he just I think he's part kangaroo. Like he boings everywhere. He springs and he he jumps in the air on all fours, and it's hilarious. But he knocks everything over. <laughs> so. so rainy day is bad day, huh? Yeah, he, I mean, you know, he has to wear his raincoat. You may have to get him a cat in a hat or something for rainy mm-hmm. days. Stella's like whatever. Just find him a relocation. Just give me, stay right, off my blanket. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh yeah, as far as my, my week, it was, was uh, it was beautiful up here. Was it warm? It's starting most to warm week. up down here. Oh yeah, uh, Thursday was 70, or Wednesday, whatever it was. It was it was a beautiful week. Like If you play golf, it was a great week to cut out early. Uh, Thursday night, the rain came in, and then Friday, of course, going into the weekend, it got cold again. Of course. Yeah, same thing with with me fishing on on the uh, on the coast. Monday through Friday, flat, beautiful weather. The weekend comes, you get ten foot swells. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's get into your last week, the Ashland Griffin trial and bullet count. Yeah, so we obviously talked about this on the end of last week's show, and um, we've we've talked about the case itself as well. I think last November, but um, this is the case where. I think she was 25 at the time. Ashton Griffin um, shot and killed her boyfriend in their home in as a duplex in Statesboro back in 2020. From the very beginning, she said it was self-defense. The police didn't believe her, even though she sat with them for five hours of interrogations, gave them a DNA sample, submitted to gunshot residue testing, and um, did a reenactment at the scene the same day. Um, and after she did all of that, they drove her to the Bullet County Jail, so and charged her with murder. And that's and that's one where the police police officers were absolutely wrong. Yeah, it, it absolutely wrong. It's it, and something we talked we talk about is it. I, I don't see that happening out here, where you, you have somebody who's shaken up, who was uh, during during the incident butt naked, having been in the shower. Uh. It would have been, let's go ahead and get get fully dressed. Let's get you to the ambulance. Uh, call your mama. Call whoever you need to call. Let's get you to the hospital. Let's get you checked out. Let's get you checked for shock and all that stuff. Not let me stick you in a room and sweat you for six hours. Right. And obviously to the public, we didn't know much of this. And, and what caught my attention about it was that uh, her case was before um, a judge who was particularly strict and is not a fan of bond, especially on for cases where someone's charged with murder. And so when she got bond after 25 days, which is sounds like a long time, but um, in COVID era where 
everything was messed up. This was in June and July of 2020. Um, and because, you know, just whatever, I'm not going to get into it, but it was, it was unusual for her to have bond. And so that intrigued me. And then I saw that they had, you know, applied for a immunity hearing. And that is the first time that any of her story came out because before that, for a year and a half, the only narrative out in the, for the public to see was the arrest. So, um, and of course, the grand jury had indicted her in between this time, and and they indicted her on felony murder and aggravated assault. And just really quick, if you're not familiar with what that means, it means felony murder doesn't have any type of intent. So, it's basically she was committing aggravated assault in shooting him, and he died. And so, that is murder because she committed murder. It, murder resulted as um, a result of her committing a felony. So... She shot him. He died. Now it's felony murder. So that's important. So, you know, I, I we talked about it on the show. It The case became um, very upsetting to me after I, I learned that she had been claiming self-defense all along and she testified at her immunity hearing. And so when the trial started last week, you know, it was very tense. And Eric and I both attended and, and he actually got to attend more than I did. But um Obviously, the state gets to go first, and um, they called the crime scene analyst who had re- re- redone the scene, and um, they called the lead detective on the case, and they talked. They, I mean, all their their case was basically that they did not believe that the first shot hit him, and that the second shot did, and only the first shot was justified despite the fact that, according to the neighbor, the two bangs were three to five seconds apart. And so they and they played the, um, gosh, the reenactment from the state. They played, like, how she reenacted and how she was, you know, placing the te- detective and showing him, like, you stand here, I was here. And she, she talked them through everything. She said what he was saying, what she was saying, and then if she didn't remember something, she said, I don't recall. And it, it, was, it was baffling. Like, you're sitting there wondering, I'm still wondering why we're sitting here in in trial of course and and on cross-examination they brought the medical examiner in and they asked her you know based on the body because she did the the autopsy based on the body these injuries are you suggesting that the only way this could have happened is if the defendant was or the deceased was upside down or doing a headstand and she said yes and the jurors were like what the heck because you know, it, it sounds pretty bad when you're suggesting that this guy was upside down for in order for your outline of what happened and your narrative to be to be correct. Um, and so we heard from like other GBI examiner people who talked about the toxicology and how he had THC in his system, which I think to just about everybody is irrelevant. Um, they talked about the body cam footage of the the first officer on scene, and you know. That was it. I mean, there was not a lot of um, meat to the the state's case. And then they brought in this, the, her boyfriend's name was Brandon McRae. They brought in his sisters and they were both basically deemed not credi- credible because they they were lying on the stand. They were asked repeatedly by the uncross un- examination if they were, they knew that their brother had a- assaulted um her and gone to jail for it and they said no he went to jail for something else and she was unaware of any assaults even though they supposedly happened in her presence and it was just the the first day of the trial was an absolute disaster for the state and they came back the next day and and had the the crime scene analyst say well i wasn't saying that these are the trajectories the bullets definitely traveled on i was saying it was ones that it could have traveled on and they kind of like reframed their narrative and then and then they rested and so i was like oh my gosh this is this is great like this is they're going to annihilate them and um the defense started i think on half about halfway through the day on tuesday so the second day and um they again played you know they talked to her neighbors who the ones that she was banging on the door asking for the phone, um, that heard the gunshots, that saw abuse over the years. They 
brought in the detective that investigated her assault and showed pictures that he took of her at the hospital when she was at risk of losing her pregnancy at the time. And I mean, just, just this overwhelming amount of evidence that backed up everything that she had said that was presented by the state. Like when the state was, you know, talking about what Ashton Griffin said, everything on the defense's case was backing that up. And then Ashlyn took the stand and, um, she was on the stand for two and a half hours. And when I tell you that it was one of the most difficult things that I've ever watched, that is not an understatement. I mean, her family, her parents, you know, her parents didn't know that she was in the relationship with this guy. Like they, she'd gotten back together with him was kind of a secret. They were, they were hearing a lot of this for the first time about some of the assaults and her parent, her parents were crying. Um, a couple of the jurors had tears in their eyes. Um, people who work for the court were upset. I was upset. Everyone, it was just, it was, it was gut wrenching and believable and, and honest and genuine. And, you know, I mean, she testified that she loved him when she shot him. Like she just, she just didn't want him to hurt her again because she, he'd hurt her so many times. And, and, and then, I mean, it, it was just awful. And, um, then she was on cross examination and Barkley Black, one of the most dangerous prosecutors that is currently prosecuting, asked her, why didn't you just say, I've got my gun, get away? Wouldn't he have been alive if you would have said, you know, I've got my gun and doesn't it take two to argue? And, you know, what did you do? Did you ever use profanities toward him? And you could tell that that upset some of the jurors, but... um. Obviously not as much as it upset me. I was pretty pretty pissed about it. <laughs> I don't. I, there's one thing between like cross examining someone and there's a, there's a line of victim shaming, right? Like this is a confirmed domestic violence victim. Whether or not you think her shooting on that day was justified, time and time again she has been abused, and you know that because your office prosecuted him. And to suggest that she is somehow at fault for that abuse, like she said, you know, he, he when he was in prison. Um, she gave birth to their their child and when he got out she allowed him to meet the child and the barclays like isn't it true that you basically enabled him to violate his probation and 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 by seeing this child and you like as if it's her fault well you know <clears throat> if a defense attorney for a domestic abuser or someone accused of domestic abuse used the same argument that, that Barclay just did with the doesn't it take two to argue when the when the victim is on the stand he'd lose his law license or at least he'd never work again there would be such an outrage <clears throat> with the with the victim shaming with that with the accusation that you wouldn't have gotten smacked around if you just didn't argue or if you didn't use profanities or if, you know, him violating the law, yeah, she allowed him to see the daughter, but he didn't petition to go to court to have it lifted, the, the you know, the provision. Keep, and, and, and and he could have said, no, I can't come around you. Because, I mean, they're, they're, sure, she, she shares some responsibility in, in that act of getting together. But it's his, it's his, it's his right. parole. Exactly. Not her parole. It's his. And everything was just on her, like his. It was disgusting. He was. He was. He's, he's loud. His. He was. He's boisterous. He's. He's offensive. His presence is offensive, and and he doesn't have a. Um. I mean, it's sometimes he's a good attorney and he makes good arguments, but he doesn't have a. He has no boundaries, and he's willing to say whatever. Um, and she kept her cool and I, you know, she, she was measured the entire time and he tried to trip her up and it didn't work and, but it was disgusting to watch. And so, um, after she testified, you know, extremely compelling testimony, um, the defense rested. So they came back the third day, did closing arguments, all the procedural stuff before they go in and, Right after lunch, they started deliberating. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be quick, right? Like, this is written open and shut. And after 45 minutes, they asked to view some of the videos again. They wanted to see her reenactment. Um, they did. They came out. The judge let him watch it again. They went back in deliberations, came back out with another question. 
they wanted to know they wanted to see the transcript from the day before and the judge is like we don't we don't have transcripts from the day before that's not how this works um you've got to rely on your memory and and what you saw and collectively um couple more minutes pass, 30 minutes pass. They want to know specifics on where she was standing when she fired the second shot. And the judge sent back and said, you have all the tools that you need to, you know, to evaluate this. You have exhibits, you have your own recollection, go forth and, and recall. A little bit more pass, they come out and, oh my God. I mean, this was, they asked, what do the charges mean? And he told them they need to be more specific and they sent out a note again. And this is when and I just knew we were in trouble because, you know, I, I had mentioned that she'd been charged with um, felony murder and ag assault. Well, they send back to the jury all the lesser included offenses, which is involuntary manslaughter, voluntary manslaughter, um, possession of a firearm during a felony. And if you find guilty of involuntary manslaughter, which is that she, you know, it was an accident. Um, you'd find her guilty of reckless conduct. So they have all these lesser offenses that they're supposed to consider. And the question to the court was, what is voluntary manslaughter? What is involuntary manslaughter? And what is self-defense? And I'm like, you've been back there for two hours and 40 minutes. And you, you know, this is where we're at. I, I knew we were in trouble. So the judge brought them back out and read all the instructions again and all the definitions again on, you know, the charges and what they meant and what it means to have a forcible felony and the use of deadly force and when it's excessive. And, you know, he's like, I understand that these are not simple concepts, but at the same time, I'm reading to you, reading them to you in ways that are supposed to be self-explanatory, basically like, like to me, what it said was that during the trial and during when he was charging them to go back into the room, they weren't listening. They weren't listening to the specific terms that and, and the differences between them. So when they got back there and decided, hmm, we don't think she's guilty of felony murder, they looked at everything else and they're like, oh, crap, what do these mean? So we heard lots of arguing um, and and they just weren't making much progress. So the judge brought out the foreman and said, you know, are you making any progress? He said, no. He said, do you think you're going to make any more progress by staying in there? He said, no. And um, they decided to let them go home for the day because it was 4.55. And me, I'm sitting in the back row and I'm like, no, lock the door and tell them they can't leave until they have a decision. <laughs> like, this is this is a service. You're depend you're deciding someone's life here. Right. Like this is this is important. Um, but that wasn't how it went. So they went home, came back the next day, deliberated for an hour, had one question, which was. Can we find her guilty of aggravated assault and not guilty on all of the murder offenses or homicide offenses? And the judge said, you can do whatever you want with regard to the jury form because he's not allowed to to guide them. And 10 minutes later, they came back, read the verdict and said they found her guilty of aggravated assault and possession of a firearm during um, the commission of a, a crime felony, which was aggravated assault. And together... Those carry 25 years. They're both felonies. To be served consecutively. Correct. The second charge. I mean, and they can. So the judge has the authority to give it to her all on probation. But the firearm offense is one to five years. And it is a requirement that it be served on like in after on top of the other offense, which so no matter what, if she only got one year for the, she's not walking away with less than two years of any type of sentence, whether behind bars or probated, just not. Right. And and the reality yeah, is she it, should have zero it, days. She should be compensated for the 25 days she did spend in jail because she defended her life. And she was pregnant at the time. That came out at the, you know, she was pregnant during her first assault and it came out during this trial that she was pregnant with their second child and and he knew that and she knew that at the time of um this assault and so she was in jail while she was pregnant and um she delivered their baby in february 2021 without him there and i'm sorry i don't care what anybody says it's a punishment that one day she's going to have to explain to her daughters that she killed their father because he was once again threatening to kill her Look, and I know we've covered this on the case. When the assault began, she's 
naked in the shower, which is natural because showering with clothes on is counterproductive. But she's in the shower, door closed, and then then he starts beating on the door. This is this is how the the assault begins. So any sort of assault is on is on his side. And, you know, you and I talked and before the verdict came out, because uh, everybody that I've talked to about it is shocked. You're, you're obviously shocked, have, you know, having been so involved. I think this is a case you caught just happened to be at the courthouse to catch the immunity hearing. You caught an immunity I actually hearing. went to the immunity hearing because I was looking for a story where I the system was working right because I've been hammering our district attorney's office. So, poor, like, I've been hammering them on, on how they handle everything. And I was like... Wow, this female's charged with murder. She's out on bond. Something's up here. I should. I'm going to cover it. And 15 minutes into the immunity hearing, I was like, oh, my God, what are we doing? How did this happen? Right. And this is, and I said, you put me in that jury room, and I don't care. The The worst case scenario for, for Miss Griffin would have been mm-hmm. a hung jury because there's no way. I mean, I, I don't care if she was standing over him with a samurai sword, decapitated him. He's he's an abuser. F him. And he, he juror 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 nullified. And he was prosecuted in the same court for it. People testified that they would hear him. Neighbors testified that they saw him. I mean, this wasn't like one time there was a drunken argument. Not that, that would ever be okay, but it's not like this was just an isolated incident. This was a re- repeated thing that was seen by other people who had no. You know, and it wasn't her family. Of course, her friends testify that they would hear things and see things. But like the other people, the neighbors and stuff that I just. They have no, no dog in that no, fight. Exactly. So to speak. That's exactly right. And, you know, it, it was so clear to me. And of course, I went into the trial, obviously, with far more information than um, they provided at trial because of just evidentiary standards and and time and, and whatever. But. I still, I still don't understand. Like, even based on what they said, I'm like, oh, that, that's it. That's the slam dunk. Like, that's, there's no way you see it any other way. And, you know. The, look, she has been failed at every level of the criminal justice system. One, by the officers responding. Absolutely failed, uh, failed the citizen at that point. Then, by the prosecutor's office, who decided to go ahead and and take it before the grand jury, that a learned member of the bar could have read all the statements and looked at all the all the stuff the jury couldn't hear. The prosecutor had access to, and could have thrown it out at that point. And said, "No, we're not. We're not pursuing this. This that, that this is repugnant. We're not, I'm not going to associate my office with prosecuting a woman who's been the victim of abuse, uh, a cycle of abuse by a man that this office prosecuted. We're 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 not doing it. Throwing it out. Then at the immunity hearing." The, the judge could have thrown it out. The grand jurors could have, could have not come down with an indictment, even though it's very odd that they don't. Uh, yeah, but I mean, what did then, you tell them? <laughs> what did you tell them in the grand jury proceeding? I mean, we, we will never know because they're secret, but I would love to know what was told so that um, they got a, an indictment. Was it just this woman was at her house and she shot her boyfriend and he's dead? Like, because that is literally the only thing you could say that without, I mean, any other information would be, is overwhelming in her favor. Overwhelming. And Right. And then, then she's failed by a prosecutor who acts like an ass in no, court. He, he is an ass. And him acting like an ass would be an improvement from the type of human being he is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, there, yes, I, I understand that jo- prosecutors have a job to do. I don't believe in, in certain drug offenses, but I understand that, you know, they are representing the laws of the state. It's illegal. They have to prosecute them. Whatever. This is totally different. This, this is, this is unlike any of the other cases we have talked about on here. It is unlike any of the cases I have covered. And it is, it is egregious. And I swear to goodness, if I find out that they're prosecuting a case on a, on a domestic violence victim, you know, on on her on her or his abuser, I'm going to go sit in the court and pick apart every little thing they say because it's not consistent 
with this. First of all, it's not consistent with the law and what the law says and what the standard is for defending yourself. And the message that they have sent to domestic violence victims is that you have three seconds or less to defend yourself. And if you don't, because I mean, we've talked about how the neighbor is not an expert and what he heard may not have actually been three to five seconds, but for all intents and purposes, they, the state claimed that three seconds was okay. Five seconds was not, you know, and, and her first shot was okay. And the second shot was not. So what you've told domestic violence victims is if you can't defend yourself within three seconds, if you can't stop your threat within three seconds, you just got to take it. Yeah. Or it, uh, it is far better just to, just to take your licks and hope he doesn't kill yeah. you than to, to defend your life. And by the way, we'll send him away for 120 days or what? I mean, like, give me a freaking break. Not to mention she's defending the life of her babe, of her unborn baby. Nobody cares. They don't care. They, they literally do not care. They wanted a victory at all costs. And, and, and from that perspective, they lost. We were talking about it before the show. I, I, I feel very strongly that, you know, she wasn't even arrested on ag assault. She was arrested and held for murder. You know, the warrants were taken out the next day just because of how it all works, but whatever, like she, she was arrested for murder and then she was found guilty and then they indicted her for felony murder and ag assault. So she was indicted on ag assault, but they didn't even secure a conviction for the offenses that they arrested her for. Well, and then she's failed by 12 people sitting in a jury room who obviously weren't paying attention to their instructions, probably not paying attention during, during the trial, looking for a, a way to, to find her guilty without really finding her guilty. Uh, I, I, and I can't, I can't speak to that, but it sure does feel like there's a lot of arguing going on, a lot of, lot of, uh, lot of bargaining going on between, between the jurors on what, what, what can we find her guilty on instead of, instead of somebody saying, look, they charge... Hey, look, I have a real problem with, with lesser charges. The prosecutor gets one bite at the apple. If if in in Dave Land, prosecutor has one bite at the, the apple. You don't get to overcharge. You don't get to overcharge somebody and hope that they plead for less. You're stuck with that you charge. Should be. But people don't realize how stacked against a defendant the system really is. This happens in every freaking case. Like it's you. People think, oh well, you're presumed innocent, and they have to work hard to prove their case. No, if you're sending lesser charges back there, and you're like, yeah, if you think she's guilty of, like, if you don't think she should have shot him, it's just it's it's asinine. You you didn't charge him, right. it, it, charge her with voluntary manslaughter, right. And if, if that's what they if, if that's what they charged her with or involuntary manslaughter or whatever else, but that's not what they charged her with. They charged and went to trial on murder, on felony murder, and that is the that should be the bar. It's she's either guilty of that or she's not or she's not exactly. Guilty. And that's what I was saying about when we were talking about this before the show is, you know, these jurors came back with a plan of their own on how they 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 found her guilty because. It's not consistent. I mean, if she's not guilty, if they 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 bought her felony murder defense in that she was acting in self defense when she killed him. She killed him in an act. If she wasn't acting in self defense, would be aggravated assault. So if you think she was justified in killing him, she was justified in shooting him at him, toward him, under him, through him, whatever. You what they should have done is gone back there and said. Did the state prove this? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then it's no. If it's self-defense, it's self-defense all the way down the board. And now look what they've done. And those should be the instructions to the jury. Period. Is, did the state prove beyond a reasonable doubt she murdered her boyfriend? Have you served on a jury? <laughs> They'd never pick me. Okay, so, and I mean, I didn't know this until I started sitting in. They do this thing called jury charges. I mean, I, kn- I knew what jury charges were, but I didn't realize how the process works. It's all these instructions that they send back with them or they don't send them back. They, um, they keep them. The judge keeps them, but he reads them. It takes like an hour where he, he reads like, you know, this is the definition of this and, and their eyes gla- glaze over. And it's all this technical legalese about, you know, if you think that this, then you shall do this. And if you think this, then you must do this. And, they're not paying attention. They don't understand. You're not sending it back with them. And 
it's it's not concise like you just said if you think she acted in self-defense i mean it's and you got people back there trying to try the case their own way some of the questions they asked it's like you know you just stick with the facts they're in evidence you have everything yeah she wants a transcript from the day yesterday you were sitting there so you don't remember what was said. You don't, I mean, you, if you're trying it, first of all, here's my thing about jurors. Like you're trying to say, which what, what the juror that was asking these questions, because you could tell it's coming from the same person. Because when they came out to watch videos, she was scribbling frivolously and furiously and all these. But, you know, what she was trying to do was either catch her in a, a she, she thought she said something one time and then said something else at a second time. And she was trying to catch her in a miss, a misstep. Um, if the state didn't present that to you, like you're supposed to go off of the evidence that was presented to you and the things that you're like, you don't need to go do your own investigation. Right. In fact, it's against the law. Yeah. You're only supposed to weigh evidence presented at the trial. Don't do your own research. Don't, don't think about anything else. Don't think about your mama. Don't think about what you're going to have for lunch. You're supposed to think about the evidence presented at trial, period. And I, I'm, I- it, it just, the, the, the whole jury system, I'll say countrywide, certainly in the state of Georgia, is just broken. The, allowing the, the juries to come up with their own charges. Well, you know, we don't think you're guilty of felony murder, but you were definitely speeding when you left. Yeah, I mean, they didn't, those were the charges that were sent back with them, but like, it wasn't, it wasn't consistent. And if they had paid attention to what was said, that if she's, if you find her guilty of aggravated assault, then she is guilty of felony murder, then you would have never found her guilty of aggravated assault. And you said sentencing is on Tuesday? It's on Monday. Um, Oh, they're, they're going to be open for for uh, uh, President's Day, huh? Yeah, we don't. Some of our, our, system, our court's weird about that stuff, but yeah, they're open. I think there's a couple of times that they the county has swapped federal holidays to like add an extra day at Christmas or something like that. So uh, depending on when, whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Um, I was just I was, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah but yeah, it's, it's, it's so as the show drops, uh, we'll get we'll get sentencing there. Yeah. Uh, it's devastating. She could. I mean, I don't know. No one knows what the judge is going to do. He's he's one of those where you can't really read what he's thinking, and so you know you don't know. He could do every. He could do everything uh, out from vacate. Yep. The yep. Uh, the the jury finding mm-hmm. and, and and he and look he may he may look at the questions that came out and said this they were obviously trying their own case back there. I listened to the arguing. He is uh, permitted to act as the thirteenth juror. Yes, and he he can throw the conviction out completely. Uh, he could give probation for two years, minus twenty five days served, uh, or he could give her twenty five with twenty with uh, with fifteen to serve. And I don't think he will. I really don't. But I don't even think the prosecutor's going to ask for that. Uh, but I you would be surprised. Maybe maybe he will. Ah! But. That's one, Eric. That's one. <laughs> Listen, hold on a second. It's thirty-one minutes into the show, and that's the first one I've dropped. Give me, I especially given given the, given the case that we're covering. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, I worked really I mean, this, hard to be professional during this to, discussion to, 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 to self-edit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as we are thirty-one minutes into the show, uh, look, we could talk about this all day. Uh, look, it's it's a really hot button. Uh, uh, issue for you and you've been very close to the case uh it's a hot button uh, issue for me uh it's something that i've talked about even in my personal life just talking to people about it and referring them over to the georgia virtue to i mean just read it so don't take my word for it There's, you know you're going off of dave's recollections go over to the georgia virtue and just read it and tell me your jaw just doesn't just hit your keyboard absolute miscarriage this is a good time to remind you that these are our opinions and not those of anyone not on the show or any respective company for which we may work, own, or otherwise associate ourselves with on a regular or irregular basis. Also, speaking of, you can find other episodes and relevant stories over at thegeorgiavirtue.com. A less disgusting story, but still bothersome, uh, we got more problems discovered by the Georgia Inspector General's office. Dude, this oh. chick is nuts. Oh yeah, but you can you can see it looking at her, man. Like, oh yeah, uh, Robin Folsom, forty three of Atlanta, 
was indicted last week on three counts of false statements and one count of identity fraud after she allegedly faked multiple pregnancies and used a bogus baby bump that was eventually spotted by a co-worker. Yeah, so I, you know, this sounds like a really bad transition to go from like talking about this this victim that we believe and obviously the evidence supported her case, but we believe her. And then this is an indictment. And, but when you hear the facts just from the indictment and from what they know so far and from the officer uh, or the office of the inspector general, their findings, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, she's, she's, she's far gone. Cause just about everything is in writing other than the employee who saw her fake belly falling off. Like, Oh God. She's a former director of external affairs with the Georgia Vocational Rehabilitation Agency. Uh, She told Human Resources that she was pregnant in October 2020 and announced that she'd given birth in May 2021. So then she had this father um, who emailed... Don't even try to... What? Don't it's don't even try to pronounce the name. No, don't say it yet, because I hold on. So she she had this father email and say that she the alleged father that she needed to be home on several rest uh, or several weeks of bed rest. And so um they approved seven weeks of paid FMLA that they otherwise would not have approved. And as they so she went back to work, um I guess she was pregnant again or she, she said she was pregnant again. And and during this time, like she had been showing people pictures and they were growing skeptical because the babies had different skin tones and they looked like different children in the photos. So they, somebody said something along the way somewhere and they started doing an investigation. Turns out the husband or the, the father whose name is Bran, Otemewebe, O-T-M-E-M-B-E-B-W-E, was a made-up person. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Why wouldn't you come up with John Smith? So that if you Googled him, you couldn't find anything. Right. But they, like you they, could pick found anybody it. out and say, I mean. Are you brand Otemewebe? <laughs> We can make fun of the name because he doesn't exist. Right. <laughs> Look, even if you said Dave Roberts, if you looked up Dave Roberts, there are only 100,000 of us. Yeah. Uh, there are even like 20 Matt Lowe's. But how many <laughs> only Matt one Lowe's Sol- are no. there? Oh, only one. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's five or six uh, Jessica Salagis also, aren't there? There are 11. There's only one? 11. Oh, 11. Yes. 11, yeah. Uh, One's a realtor out in Utah and she keeps... Getting all up in my Google results drives me nuts. Um, Keeps getting up all in your Google results. Yeah, but but this woman, you know, so they continue to do the investigation and they found, I guess, with the um, State Office of Vital Records that there were no birth certificates listing her as the mother. And then um, because she's a state employee, she has state insurance and they looked at her medical and insurance records and found no indication um, that she'd ever delivered a child. And when they confronted her about it, she resigned. But it didn't stop there. Obviously, they are pursuing criminal charges, and that's going to be prosecuted by the um, attorney general's office. So it's it's look, this chick's crazy. She really needs help. Like, I don't. My question is: Did she fake the pregnancy outside of work? That's a good question. Because that would speak to her mental um, position if she did. If she didn't, then this truly was a, fin- a financial scam. Um, and I, I think that's a different level of culpability. But I'm, it is. I'm genuinely it is, concerned yeah. about sending yeah, the pictures she, of different skin colored. I mean, different tones. It wasn't like she sent a black baby one day and a white baby the next. But... And then, and then, then an Asian baby. That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Can you imagine being the person who got the pictures? You're like, okay, yesterday a kid looked like he had blue eyes. Today it's a girl and she has green eyes. Um, I don't know. I just and and imagine being the person who's like, did I just see her stomach 
separating from her body. Like you would, that would mess with your head. And then you're like, I think I did. And then, you know, I mean. The baby wants out now. <laughs> um, and it, what's no, interesting uh, is she was planning on doing this again. Uh, man, you know, the, look, it, I, I know you can't tell someone's crazy by looking at them. Yeah, you can. <laughs> you can tell the bee is crazy. Look, I, I am, I am well practiced at it. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the ones you don't give your last name to. And this is one you don't give your last name to. Well, she was indicted on three counts of false statements and one count of identity fraud. Um, you know. She would have been better off saying she broke her leg and and falsifying a, some doctor's note or something like that. Because at least the broken leg goes away. Yeah. What are you supposed to say five years down the line when your kid's supposed to start kindergarten and you forgot about that law that lie you told back in 2020? And you've never had a day where you have to stay home because your kid's sick or you have to take them to the doctor or they need to get tubes in their ears or something like you you never have. There are other things that uh, that that being around women who've recently given birth that happen to go along with it. Uh, I need time to 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 pump. Uh, I, I, I've got to go to a follow up, yeah, follow up appointment. We've got a pediatrician appointment. Uh, I've got to go see my my OB. There's there's a lot. There's also a lot of stuff because there's something besides a baby bump too. I mean, ask any woman's been pregnant. I mean, you know, ankle swelling, feet hurting, that kind of stuff. I guess that's why she went on bed rest. Well, she said after birth she went on bed, bed yes, rest. The whole thing is nuts. Um, and if you look at, if, I mean, I I saw some pictures of her, but if you look at a more extensive Google search of her, she's a very, very tiny woman. So, you know, like some of us have, you know, like you you have some stuff there that if like it would cover swelling or um, fluff or fluctuations of stuff. This woman is like tiny, tiny, tiny skin and bones. You would wonder, you you would wonder if she just had a baby bump and nothing else. I mean, you would wonder. Good news is CNN has a line on a new producer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at you, like, basically recruiting. Recruiting for CNN. Yeah, yeah she'll fit right in. Mm. Brian Seltzer's been wearing a, a, a fake stomach for, for years now. Everything about them is So... <laughs> so past week in the legislature you know i didn't really even get to pay much attention and they still were out there just acting fool you mean they didn't stop session because you weren't you weren't paying attention no but i did appreciate that they only convened for three days out of the five because it did allow me to like you know going to trial and i don't i don't being in trial as an attorney has to be freaking exhausting because attending is exhausting and eric can attest to this like i would come home and just sit in silence and like stare at the ceiling like aside from the subject matter and the content of what was discussed it's, it's a lot to keep up with i think most attorneys trial attorneys uh, are like uh, football players after the game where they they shower to the uniforms off go get on the street clothes next thing you know they're out to dinner with their wives and stuff like that as i i think it, if you're an experienced trial attorney, it's it's just part of it. I mean, well, I think prosecutors go home and do nothing because, well, that's the extent of the requirements for their job. But I think that defense attorneys, like amidst a trial, I think that they go home and and work and and plot for the next day. I don't think they're out. Well, I'm sure they do, but it's not it's not. Well, I, I think uh, uh, the, the talking about the 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 trial that you went to, that's probably a little more personal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the prosecutors go home and. And, uh, Probably read uh, comic books or something. Yeah, yeah, go watch American Idol or whatever the hell is on TV. Anyway, we have uh, a, a Georgia State Senate committee has advanced proposal for the state to prohibit social media platforms from removing or censoring content amid an outcry from conservatives that their political views are being discriminated against. Discriminated against, uh, even though similar Texas law has been put on hold by a federal court. This is Senate Bill 393 by Greg uh, Dolzeal. 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 Dolzeal, mm-hmm. whatever. But they don't have the jurisdiction to do this. You're telling me that they're going to make different rules for different social media companies based on the state? That's going to be a cluster. Not to mention they're not based in Georgia. What are you going to say? Are you going to block uh, uh, Facebook from coming into Georgia? Yeah, we're putting those interweb walls up. 
It's got 24 co-sponsors. Guess and what? Doing the Guess math, what? that's four. They're all Republicans. What? Of course they are. And look, this is 24 co-sponsors. This is 42.8% of the of, of the Senate. They're just trying to placate their... Of course they are. This is an election year. People who are dumb voters who probably sit on juries. Well, that that that's probably accurate. Oh, that's entirely accurate. Yeah, people who can't vote can't serve on a jury. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But what 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 the hell? All these guys they say we're pro business, pro business, pro business, uh, and these are the same people that that would stand up with the uh, cake bakers out in Colorado, was it? Who didn't want to bake a a, a gay wedding cake? Uh, the same people going. The government has no business telling you what you can do with your private business. Yeah. Well, look, and I'm not standing up for social media. I, I think it's a. It's out uh, of control. Yeah, absolutely, it's out of control. Uh, but even if you support something on the federal level, and I'm not sure what that would look like, the state has no has no authority to do it. And the the sponsor even acknowledged that we're going to be sued. Well, yeah, because Texas is currently there's I guess there's an injunction I think against theirs. Um, I don't know the terms of the bill filed in Texas, but I'm assuming it is similar because these types of things usually I mean we've talked about it before. Advocacy organizations make up a model, yeah, they, and then yeah, they shop it out to to different right. uh, different legislators all around the country. Advocacy groups, one way of putting it, lobbyist is another. That they, they go around and they get a hold of because all the emails are public and they shoot they 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 look at people's platforms and they shoot this to them and say would you read this would you read this would you consider carrying this well you know what's really interesting is that the bill language itself actually relies on the Supreme Court ruling that is the one I sued Van Johnson under about <clears throat> modern public squares um, but the difference is that. I sued an elected official for limiting my free speech in a, quote, public square based on the content of my speech, and they want to regulate the companies that have provided the public squares. Right. So that's, yeah, that that's, if you use the public square idea, Facebook is not a public square. Facebook is Zuckerberg's front yard facebook itself is not a public square an elected official or a government entity on social media is is yeah is is is, is a public square right is facebook is a difference right there is it's there's gonna have to be a scotus ruling on this on the federal level individual states one don't have the authority two don't have the ability who are you going to put on this? You put. So it says, given the po- the pivotal role, this is from the bill language itself. Given the pivotal role large social media platforms play in controlling the flow of information in political, social, economic, and cultural life in this state, large social media platforms must disclose their policies for removing citizens from their platforms, promoting and diminishing access to content, content, and moderating content. And the citizens should have a legal mechanism to ensure the accuracy and timeliness of such information. They can. I, they cannot regulate. The, the only state that I can even think of that would have the ability to do this would be Washington, because I think that's where Facebook is based. Is is Seattle? I think you're thinking of Starbucks. I think Facebook's in California. Fine, California. Yeah, it's the, it's the Silicon Valley. I was thinking Starbucks. Yeah, I could use a coffee. Um, yeah. I, I, I sound I sound so 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 tired, don't I? Uh, so, but hold on a second. This is what irritates me. I don't know if you caught this when I was reading it, but it said large social media platforms, and I hadn't read the bill until we started talking about it. But you scroll down, and they're talking about companies that have twenty million active users in the United States in a calendar month. So, first of all, you, you're like, what does someone's users fluctuate month to month? Or, I mean, it's just, it's just a, a stupid idea. Also, why can one company censor and another can't? Right. So, yeah, you're either, you're the principal or you're not. Look, this is, this is, and again, you know, I, I know a lot of people on this list. This is pandering 101. This is so they can come back, uh, come back when session ends 
and what I can't remember what a CNA DA is. Uh, but come back. It is pandering, but they shouldn't. They, I believe some of them really believe it should be the law. Well, I'm sure they do, but they cannot honestly believe that the state of Georgia has the authority to do it. And knowing that they're going to go to court over it is saying that the taxpayers of Georgia should pay to lose a case in federal court. Well, we did that with the heartbeat bill. I mean, we knew, and, and the argument there was, well, we'd like to force a Supreme Court decision and... I guess that's the same argument. Well, it's he, not because the, here, but the heartbeat bill assumes that the heartbeat bill is something that you can control within the state of Georgia. Is that well, you that, know what's interesting? That's exactly that's a really good point. Go ahead, sorry. Say so, yeah, that's really, we, yeah. We can regulate uh, medical procedures in the state of Georgia, and we have the authority right. to do so. We it's can left not, up to the states, right? We cannot regulate a company out in California. Uh, I know it was had to be left of, commerce. Of, exactly right, interstate commerce, and the, you cannot put up a fictitious wall around the state of Georgia. And all, if Georgia finds Facebook or Twitter or whatever else, guess what? They can take those fines and use them to line their puppy's cage with it because it doesn't have any effect. Because you have to, you have to come and prosecute me where I am. Come get me. Well, and it's funny to me that, I mean, the social media companies are hardly, there's a couple lobbyists that, um, like tech lobbyists that have vocalized opposition, but you're not hearing the companies like come out and just rail against this because they know they don't have anything to worry about because you can't do this. Right. Yeah. Come and get me. Uh, so anyway, I, I that's, it, it's going to pass and it's going to fail. I mean, it's going to it's going to come out come out of the Senate. I mean, it's, it came out of committee. Obviously, Lieutenant Governor's behind it. If 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 it got like a what, what was a five uh, one vote or something four one vote, yeah, flew through. You did do an a, an interesting article. Um, <coughs> never. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I can talk about I, it really quick. I just know we're running low on time. I, I'm but. just I, I'm sitting there watching. We have we have a live outline. And I'm watching Jessica cross stuff off because we run long. <laughs> and you go, never mind. I'm like, okay, well, but I can I can mention it really quickly. I did. You know, they filed their campaign disclosures. They had to be filed, I think, by February seventh, and that's a story we need to talk about. Is this new system that they've set up because. You know, it used to, it's it's already difficult enough to find where our lawmakers file their campaign reports. Now there are two sites. They're supposed to be all on one site, like they transition to this new platform, but it doesn't work for everyone. It works poorly. So you have half of them filed on one site and half of them filed on another. All of them just about are filed late. But anyway, I looked at their campaign reports um, from July 1 to January 31 of this year. So about seven full months of expenditures and some of the stuff these people paid for. Um, I mean, the amount of money. So I understand that, you know, it's, it's a campaign fund, so they can spend money to put an ad out or, or whatever. But the amount of money some of these lawmakers have, have paid to touchdown clubs for high schools and stuff, like $2,100 here, $1,500 there. I, I think that's a little much. Like, that's not just like your little quarter page ad in the in the program. Um, Beth Camp, who replaced um, Ken Pullen, spent $427 on a Yeti cooler so she could raffle it off at her fundraiser. Um, uh, that one I actually don't have a problem with. If, I if, do. If, look, if, the, if that goes out and whatever comes back in, if, if, she's, if she's actually raffling it off, I, that's actually a fundraiser that you could actually put your finger on. That's a fundraiser. Um... If she was raffling it off and giving the money to somebody else, that'd be one thing. But giving the money, like using campaign funds to buy something so you can make more campaign, that's just trashy. Yeah, but what about having a barbecue? I mean, paying for a barbecue and then charging per ticket. Is that the same thing? I mean, no. I mean, I mean, ethically, as far as putting campaign funds out to bring more in. Well, I mean, you always are doing that. I just don't like the idea of buying things you're going to raffle off. Like, if I can't have a bingo game at my house without it being a violation of state law, she shouldn't be able to raffle off a Yeti cooler with her campaign money. That's true. She's not tr- She's not a charity, and I think raffles can only be done for charity. I was really disappointed that this happened, but Joseph Gullett used campaign funds to pay for his dogs to be boarded so he could attend a fundraiser for another lawmaker. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. I'm disappointed. Uh, Susan Holmes, I love this. She used um, her campaign funds to pay her ethics fines for filing her campaign finance reports late. Also used it for her OnStar membership because I guess getting from Macon to Atlanta is too hard. And if she wasn't a lawmaker, she wouldn't otherwise need a map. I'm not sure. Trey Kelly's been paying housing out of his Atlanta Paying for housing. He pays for it 12 months a year, which I'm assuming... I wonder why. His wife kicked him out. <laughs> yes. Because um, it started in July of last year, you know, when he got accused... Had to step down for allegedly doing some things, allegedly, with some other people that were not his wife. And then the divorce papers filed. And then suddenly he's paying 12 months of rent in Atlanta. But whatever. Um, and then I just you know, want to say, because we're going to run out of time and I won't go through the whole article, but... Because we talked about him last week. Dominic Laricchia. <sighs> this guy. Okay. He lives in Coffee County, right? He built his campaign account $3,779 for fuel for campaign expenses over a six-month period. Is he driving a semi? Who? Was it Laricchia that had like thousands of dollars in Verizon wireless bills? Oh, yeah. He's been doing... And he's been doing both of these things. Fuel and Verizon. He, he has another cell phone, which I understand, but I'm... I have my own phone as well, and it doesn't cost me $2,500 to have the phone. He needs a better plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like got his own satellite up there in the sky, and they're, so they're billing him for that, I guess. But And then before, you know, he's not running again, so it's common for lawmakers to pass out money, especially if they're not going to run again. But he has passed out more of his campaign funds to other politicians than any other lawmaker. He spent $35,000 um on other lawmakers, which again, this happened before redistricting. It happened before he knew he wasn't running or announced he wasn't running again because he didn't have a district to run in. And if I were one of his donors, I'd be a little miffed that it's I it's, I invested in you and you gave it away. It's legal, but it's also legal to refund your donors. I mean, you have yes, you exactly. have you have the list. You know, you exactly. have their address. You you know where they work. I mean, hell, I filled out a lot of things on Antidote uh, or Antidote, whatever whatever it is that, that the politicians use. You can refund that money. You don't have to give it to anybody else. Uh, you don't have to buy favors with it. You can actually go, John Smith, $100. Here you go, Mr. Smith. You can do that. Just I think we're going we're gonna to save a couple stories for next week. Do you have any closing thoughts? No. Uh, my closing thought is my favorite story of the week. Drunk woman goes on chase riding electric scooter through the Atlanta airport. <laughs> this is one of those little uh, carry-on bag scooters. It's a uh, you've got to watch the video. It is this is the nicest cop in the world. She is so drunk. She she's slurring words, and he's chasing her on a bicycle through the through the Orlando airport. Is begging her to leave. Is being so nice. I mean, just so nice to her the entire time. Come on, let's go. Just the other side of security. Come on, you can do it. Hey, let's race. Let's race to TSA. Let's get you on the other side of that line. After this goes on, he's finally like, "All right, she's had it," and and locks her up. She does seventeen hundred dollars worth of damage to the back of the police car, like with her <laughs> teeth. Is released on like. I think it was like $13,000 bond for all the damage that she did. But it is the best video because he's the cop's having a great time. He's like, man, this thing really moves, huh? And he's, he's having a great time following her. I mean, he's got the best attitude of any police officer you'll ever see in an airport, probably because it's Orlando, happiest place on earth and all that stuff. But he is just the sweetest guy through this entire thing. And this woman, for a solid 15 minutes, is just yelling, arrest me. Because I mean, not literally, but but she's you know, doing everything she can to get arrested. But it's, it's a it's video worth watching. So for Eric Cumbie, our awesome editor, that will have to bleep just a few things this week. For Jessica Salachi, my very annoyed, wonderful co-host, I'm Dave Roberts. Have a great week.
very 